everybody. We are 40 going on 14. Uh, I am Mike. I'm Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And I'm glad we're talking about wrestling today because I, I had an uncle who we thought was a really big Hulk Hogan fan, but it turned out he was really just having a stroke. Oh, yeah! I miss him. Oh, brother. <laughs> hey, I thought maybe what you going to do, brother? Call <laughs> <laughs> oh, 911! <laughs> he turned into Jesse Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know where to take that. Um, I hope he's better. <laughs> he's dead, dude. Didn't you catch the story? Okay, in that case, I'm sorry. All right. Oh, see, Joel, you made me think you. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, you know what we have today? Yeah, a, a show about wrestling. We have a show about wrestling, and we have voicemails. What? Yeah, which is rapidly becoming Charlie's time. <laughs> a new segment: voicemails from Charlie. <laughs> Charlie has some thoughts about the Italian job. Ooh, let's hear. Okay, so the proposed solution to the original Italian problem, to break the windows and pull the glass to them to change the post point and put more weight on their side of both of them. Here's the problem. The windows they could get to are the windows that are around them. The windows that are around them are already at, the glass is already adding its weight to their fulcrum, their side of the fulcrum. So that's just fucking stupid. <laughs> that's even an addict solution oh. at all. <laughs> Kisses. Did he say kisses? I sound like kisses. That's, that's I hope it was Charlie. kisses. He said kisses. Yeah. I, I'm. I don't. I'm strangely aroused. Trust me. We were, did we ever talk? Did we talk about that? No. Yeah, we talked about it. Yeah. About breaking windows and stuff. Yeah, that it was. That the, was, that was uh, someone's proposed idea. Yeah, it was the one uh, proposed uh, idea for how the ending after the original Italian job should have ended. Okay. Well, Charlie, you have a point. Oh, he's also got a second voicemail. Ooh, can't wait to hear this one. Let's see. You know, uh, you guys are talking about bashing the Irish. You might have thought that uh, if, if these movies had more Irish people in them, uh, wouldn't they be called the Italian job? Oi! I think he has Irish and Jewish confused. Yeah, I think so. I, I just love how we all wait. <laughs> just I think we're case. waiting for a, like an adequate. Adequate. <laughs> or something. Yeah. No, I don't know what that means, Charlie. I don't know if we should be talking. Keep waiting. <laughs> he still could be saying something. <laughs> nowhere. No, it's, no, it's done. Right. It's done. Okay. not going to talk anymore. We don't have to worry about that. Well, if your name is Charlie, or if it's not, and you'd like to leave us a voicemail at any time, you can call us at 708-669-9727. Also, if you are more alphabetically inclined, that's 708-NOW-RAP, W-R-A-P. Yeah, you can also get to us on uh, 40go14 at gmail.com. You can leave us a message on Facebook. Just look for 40 going on 14. We appreciate any and all input. Indeed. Uh, that sounded dirty. Okay, so now we're done with that. So guess what we got? This week in music, movies, and TV. And sports, because he decided to put sports in there again. Oh, yeah. you know, this is going to be great. So what's our happening? Year? This year is 1985, because that is the year of the first WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. Yes. Took place in um, New York, in where? Madison Square Garden. Uh, Madison Square Garden. I almost said Central Park. <laughs> it did not happen there, no. Yeah. If you get that one would, more uh, orange property, you'd have a monopoly. Ooh. <laughs> 
Yahtzee. So, April 7th. I heard a comedian the other day say that he thinks it's wrong that only one company makes the game Monopoly. <laughs> that is clever. Yep. I like it. You don't know? Bad. I like it. Anyway, yeah, okay. All right. 1985. April 7th, 1985. Wham! Becomes the first Western pop group to perform in China when they play a concert in front of Beijing's Worker Stadium during a 10-day visit. I think it's so. Bad. That was the first site of Western music. Beijing Worker Stadium. Yes. Wake me up before you go go. Because I have better. to be at the sweatshop in ten minutes. Or so so. <laughs> Beijing Worker Stadium. We have a long commute. Nism. <laughs> <laughs> what about the second part of the music trivia? Yes, and twenty years ago tomorrow. No. That's what it says. Twenty years ago tomorrow. Well, he wrote it. His timeline is off. <laughs> So sometime this week, 20 years Saturday. ago, Kurt Cobain. It was last Saturday. It was made Mastacholi. No, because I was uh, driving and they said on the radio, on the XM. That's why I wrote it down. Do I need to punch you in the throat? Bring it on. Do I need to punch you in the throat? So 20 years ago tomorrow, it was April 5th, 1994, Kurt Cobain was murdered. By himself. No. No. He was not. He wasn't. No. He was murdered by Courtney Love. Not Europe. directly, but uh, I. that's my point. Look it up. <laughs> Did she pull the trigger? No, she did not. Oh. Uh, a controversial subject. It is. Yeah. For another show. Yeah. yeah this is I, I don't like Kurt Cobain anyway. Mm. What? I remember. I I, I'm pretty sure that uh, Pat and I were rooming together the day he died. 100% we were. because we I, li- yeah, I was living alone, so. Well, we can rule you two out. <laughs> you remember we put the speakers in the window and blasted Nirvana across the, the campus? I do recall that. I remember that. It's actually one yeah. of my few clear memories of the early 1990s. And that, that was my outgoing voicemail message for like... I don't know. Months. Josh saying that's a few memories of the 1990s. Yeah, shut up. No. Oh, nine one one call over the uh, song "All Apologies." Oh, so were there movies in 1985? There were a movie. Thank you, Josh. <laughs> the movie "Private Resort," a wacky teen beach comedy, came out, and then a then unknown Rob Morrow, and then mostly unknown Johnny Depp were both in. Rob Morrow. There was also. Yeah, there was also uh, Andrew Dice Clay, who people still know about. Unfortunately. Rob Morrow played Joel on uh, Northern Exposure. Yes. Oh. Yes. To me, he was still unknown until Joel just made him known to me. And now he's on, or he was doing Numbers. I don't think the show's still on the air. Yeah, he was doing, he was in Numbers. I saw that. And Johnny Depp, like when he was maybe 12. Who, who is he now? Nobody knows who Johnny Depp is. Johnny Depp? No, he's not even sure who well, he is now. This would have been his first starring role, but not his first, not his debut. No. No, this is his first, like... Headliner type at first movie to get first billing. Yes. What? Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. Which is which is a year ago away from what we're doing and didn't come out at this time. Yeah, it came out in 1984. We're talking 1985. Why are we whispering? Roll and I was talking about Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, but he wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't. But he was in and introducing Johnny Depp. Indeed. That's why we said mostly unknown. Mostly unknown. So there's starring role. I was very specific in how I typed that up. Mostly unknown for starring role. And there was some TV going on back in 1985. <laughs> I want you to come down here and try and punch sailing. me in the throat now. Bring it on. You drive your ass down here. Uh, smooth no. sailing from here on out, kids. Yeah. <laughs> this is good radio right here. 
verbal sparring match. Uh, so TV, the sequel to Three's Company, Three's a Crowd, ends. No one notices. Wait, what about the, there was a sequel? What about the Ropers? That was a spinoff, I guess. But that was a spinoff. That wasn't a sequel. Who was in Three's a Crowd? Uh, John Ritter and and let's see. Nobody else. It was not a very good title. <laughs> John Mary Cordette, Ketteret, Robert Mandan, Jessica Walter. Oh, Jessica uh, Walter. Oh, yeah. Mallory Archer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it um, didn't really do well. I guess not. Had one season, 22 episodes. That's well, kind of like the Furleys and the Ropers, you know. Yeah. Wow. 22 episodes. That's more than Firefly got. Yeah. Ooh. Sucks. Yeah, but nobody's getting uh, threes of crowd tattoos. Hmm. They're a. So you're I saying there's a market. <laughs> <laughs> Three is a crowd tattoo. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, so that, that ended. What else happened, Mike? What else happened? Here we go. Fine, you got going. Sports. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Pat. White Sox pitching ace Tom Seaver starts a record 15th straight opening day. Yay. What does that mean? <laughs> that, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think I do, Pat. I'm raising my hand. I tried to explain what a triple double was to me, and I kept saying it's a six. <laughs> I'm raising my hand, Pat. Yes, Joe. What does it mean? Uh, that means that Tom Seaver uh, was the pitcher uh, opening day for the White Sox 15 times in a row. That's correct. Yes. 15 Yay. Years Yay. Give him a cookie. What's the secret? I thought it was some secret baseball code in there or something. Nope. It's straight. It's nope. baseball. You're overthinking it. Yep. You hit a baseball ball, you run around the bases. Yeah. No, I'm expecting Pat to send some sort of landmine in there for me. <laughs> Hmm. I'm not going to try to trick you. I'm just going to... Yeah, it should have been more vague. That was all I could find for the time period. Okay, I have something? a brief rant since we're talking about wrestling. Because there is one thing that was on my mind a couple days ago uh, about wrestling as talked about by especially people who are passionate about subjects. Some might call us nerds who uh, aren't wrestling fans but have a lot of shit to say about it. What's funny is I had this on my brain and I was going to talk about it anyway and I heard this same bullshit just last night. The first thing is people talking about wrestling, saying, well, is it that real rest? Is it real wrestling, or is it that fake stuff on TV? Because if it was real wrestling, I'd watch it. No, you fucking wouldn't. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Cut it out. Real wrestling is a very competitive sport. It's great for, like, high school, college athletics, but if you've ever watched it, it's the most boring part of MMA. You would not watch it if wrestling was real. It's guys laying on the ground, basically hugging each other until someone stops. <laughs> that was like college. <laughs> Wait, we were wrestling all the time then. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, Hug him until he stops. The other thing you constantly hear about professional wrestling from uh, non-wrestling fans is that they don't like it because the entire thing is choreographed as choreographed as any ballet. And that's a popular misconception, and it bothers me just because it doesn't take very much research to show that that's not true. Sure, the match's endings are plotted out. That is decided. There are probably key moments where if they don't practice them beforehand, somebody's going to die. But otherwise, there's a whole lot more improvisation and athleticism than most people give this credit for. And if you watch some of the matches that we're going to talk about today, if it was all real, someone would die in every single wrestling match. There requires a great deal of sportsmanship and athletic ability to do what they do, even faking, and have nobody die. 
that's my rant about Rust. And I just want to tag onto the end of that and be like, you know, okay, and just kind of explain right. where I'm going to be coming from. Under the, ro- the ropes. Hmm? You I'm tap tagging you in. Yeah. 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 Tap. Yeah. <clears throat> so here's here's my whole take on it. All right. Um, I've been a wrestling fan since I was a kid. I was a huge Hulkamaniac. I mean, my father took me to see Hulk like eleven times in person when I was young. Every time the WWF came to town, we went to go. See, you know, he took me to go see him. So that was really cool. You know, a lot of early memories with my father were built around wrestling because we would watch wrestling on on TV. We would fake wrestle together when you know when I was a kid and all this kind of stuff. So what I enjoy about wrestling, even to this day, is basically it's it's the the theater, the spectacle, the showmanship, and just the all the the outright just athleticism of these guys because the stuff that they do in the rings, like like Josh said, you know, it may be scripted, but it's definitely not fake because I mean the results are in before the match even starts, and they know who's going to win. And if you're if you watch enough wrestling, you could pretty accurately figure out who's going to win based on what's going on either before or during the match. So it's not even like, I, I, I'll watch matches knowing who won like that happened 10 years ago just because they're interesting to watch, they're fun to watch, and the way these guys just sacrificed their body, and, and I mean, you can't fake what Mick Foley did falling 16 feet onto a table. There's just, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how well you know how to land. That's not healthy. <laughs> and there's just something, there's just some level of, of just crazy respect that you gotta have for people that do this not, I mean, to do it once in your life, some of the stuff these guys do is crazy, but to do it every single day, I mean, these, there's a reason that a lot of these guys are dead before they're even 50, and it is kind of shitty that they don't get a whole lot of respect from, you know, from the, the major sports and things like that, because you know, they're sports entertainment, they're not sports, but I guarantee you, there are some legitimate, quote-unquote, sporting events that are just as fixed as a wrestling event. Okay, yeah. I want to tap in now. Go ahead. I just want to ask, then, for each of you two gentlemen that have just spoken, <clears throat> based on your uh, commentary, would you say that the uh, film The Wrestler is a adequate portrayal of the life of a wrestler once he is no longer. I mean, is that accurate? from everything that I've seen, read, and heard, and everything? By just have you not seen it? No, no, no. I'm no. I'm, I'm talking about uh, from actual wrestlers, oh. like watching and reading interviews and stuff like that, and talking to people behind the scenes. I've never, you know, actually talked to a, a real wrestler. I've shaken hands and stuff like that, but I'm right. But that is probably about as accurate as you as any movie has ever been as, as far as representing wrestling. I haven't actually seen it. Oh my god, it's so good. It's on it, my list. I just have not made the time to see it. In fact, you bringing it up is probably going to push it further forward and the like things I'm going to do with two free hours. It's, yeah, it is very, very good. I own it. It's it, so good. It, 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 is a, it is a very realistic, from what, I've, from what I understand, portrayal of what it is like to be an aging wrestler who's not in the spotlight anymore. And I'm a Mickey Rourke fan, so I really don't have any excuse, except I haven't made the time to actually watch it. And now you will. Now I will. Next and week, the wrestler. wrestler. So there you go. Now you got okay. more reason. There you go. So there you go. And it's a damn good movie. It is. So that was a ro- uh, brief rant with Josh. Yes. That, that mayor <laughs> and Pat. <laughs> and Joel. <laughs> and it wasn't all that brief, but it certainly no. was a rant. But it definitely led us into what we're talking about today. Hey. WrestleMania. Patrick went to WrestleMania 30 last weekend. Yes. And just and, before we get to the topic of WrestleMania, I just want to address Vince McMahon himself, uh, the, the basically the orchestrator of wrestling as is known today. Because back in the day, 20, 30 years ago, you know, wrestling was not anything like it is today. Um, it was individualized pockets of wrestling promoters throughout the country, all working independently. Sometimes they would have a contract with somebody, but sometimes they wouldn't. A wrestler would blow into town, find the promoter, say, hey, I'm in town three weeks. He's like, okay, I'll get you 
on a couple cards and he'll make a couple hundred dollars and then he'll move on or whatever. Or some people would just be located with a certain promoter. Well, Vince McMahon joined the business because his father was a wrestling promoter and he didn't like his stepfather. <laughs> well, actually, that's 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 a, a horrible, horrible way to put it. Um, I saw an interview with Vince McMahon talking about his stepfather who used to beat him mercilessly when he was young. And he said he said two things about his stepfather. He's like, one, I'm, I'm sorry that he died before I had a chance to kill him. Yikes. <laughs> and two was every time he beat me, I knew that I won because he didn't kill me. <laughs> what? Yeah. I mean, that, and that, that pretty much is a, is a really good microcosm of what kind of person Vince McMahon is. If you don't kill him, you lose. And that stepfather became Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> <laughs> The more you know. Yeah. That's so funnier what, what, if you're a wrestling fan. Yeah. <laughs> so Vince McMahon, what he did that revolutionized wrestling was he started buying up wrestlers' contracts and, and he started buying up promoters' uh, areas and he just started encroaching and building his territories instead of being happy where he was. And before you knew it, he everybody started gravitating towards him because he was paying the most, getting the most viewers, getting the most everything. And, and everybody just started... And, and uh, it was like a giant vacuum and everybody started leaving their little pockets of the, the nation coming and finding Vince McMahon and before you knew it he had you know 20 out of the top 25 superstars and everybody else went out of business and he just moved in and took over all of everything and one of the coolest things that he did just just for building his brand was back in the day when I was a kid if I went to go see Hulk Hogan here in in, in Houston I knew he wasn't going to lose to you know whoever he was wrestling because he was the champion and he's not going to lose the belt if it wasn't a pay-per-view e- even as a kid I understood that I was like yeah he's not you know there's no way he's going to lose I don't have to worry about that you know what I didn't understand you know script wise what it meant, but I just knew he wasn't going to lose because that kind of stuff doesn't happen unless it's a paper. Well, what Vince McMahon did was he took every wrestling match and nationally televised it every single night. So suddenly, every single match means you could lose your belt, and and it ramped up you know the excitement. And suddenly, every match you know every title match was you know it meant, you know because suddenly they could lose it when you go see him locally. And it was he did just so many things that were just revolutionizing that that revolutionized wrestling, and you know he deserves to be a billionaire to be honest with you. Hey, so quick question, <clears throat> from what I understand, because I watched a. Uh... I've watched a couple of documentaries. <clears throat> he didn't he basically invent like pay-per-view or didn't that whole not necessarily he, him. He, but... he didn't invent it, but he definitely capitalized on it because it was around, but it was never really used to its full potential to like you know to actually take something and charge people just to watch what they want to watch. Because the way they did it before, it was just it was just like you know, hey, it's available. You can you know you like if if you want to watch your team play local, you know, and you don't live locally, you can pay for this event, you know, whatever. But it was never advertised like he did, so he kind of made it popular. I mean, if anybody ever you know fifty, sixty, eighty years ago, whatever, predicted that one of the biggest business Businesses in in the world of entertainment would be giant men on steroids, half naked, pretending to beat each other up. <laughs> I mean, you call that person a psycho. I mean, and it's just amazing just how huge it is. I mean, it's. I mean, we're, we're going to talk about it in the second half, but the numbers for this last WrestleMania are just insane. Well, no, I give the man credit. No, he's <clears throat> he. Despite what I my personal feelings on wrestling, he he's a good marketeer. I mean, he knows how to make a brand and sell it, and yeah. how to branch out at the right time into the right things to continue making it something that's marketable long past when I thought it would be gone, personally. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, even though I kind of I, mean, I kind of understand it, I still don't understand why it is so popular. <laughs> it's kind of, it's like NASCAR to me. I don't necessarily understand why so many people like it, you know, other than just, you got to be there, I guess, because it is a whole different experience being, being at an actual event than watching it on television. So we're almost to the point where it's 80, 90, like 
30, 40 years after the first WrestleMania now? Just about. First WrestleMania was on March 31st in 1985. Uh, like I said, Madison Square Garden in New York City, and it was a tag team match between champion Hulk Hogan and Mr. T, accompanied by Jimmy Superfly Snuka, Snuka? with against the team Snuka. Snuka. It's it, 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 it pronounced either way, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. changed yeah. throughout his career. <laughs> and uh, with the, against a team of Roddy Piper and Paul Ordnuff. Paul, oh, Mr. And Wonderful, or- Orndorff. With Mr. Wonderful, Orndorff. And who were accompanied by Cowboy Bob Orton. And they set up that main event uh, several weeks before with uh, a series of different events with celebrities turning up to uh, WWF events. And at one point, uh, some of the celebrities, including Cindy Lauper, were out. And uh, you mm-hmm. had... Uh, Mr. Rowdy Roddy Piper attacked the celebrities, even uh, pu- uh, putting the boot to Cindy Lauper. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. And, like, yeah. you know, Hulk Hogan and Mr. T made an appearance on Saturday Night Live. I mean, this, this, I mean, Vince McMahon mortgaged his house and, and pretty much put everything he owned on the line for this first WrestleMania, and it turned out to be a hit, a real big hit. Yeah, uh, yeah obviously, it's huge. Yeah. I mean, and, um, and it was the, mix, I, the mixing of celebrities and, and rock stars and everything just turned it into something much, you know, it almost, it almost kind of turned the tables and made the wrestlers superstars all of a sudden and celebrities you know yeah seeing d snyder on camera talking to rowdy roddy piper talking about how he was going down <laughs> i just saw that today and that that like made my day yeah because i mean they made appearances all over television you know hulk and, and you know and and piper and all those guys just yeah they would they would burst i remember um bur- they would just burst in on different shows you know a couple times <laughs> like roddy roddy piper just burst through the walls on some show i don't even remember what it was i just remember as a kid going what <laughs> it was on uh i think it was with Tom Brokaw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't happen. He came in and body slammed Annie Rooney. <laughs> right. <laughs> Don't you hate it when <laughs> when Red break into your office? <laughs> so it's uh and going on what you were talking about the celebrities that have been involved with it, going looking over them. Billy Martin was a ring announcer. Liberace was a timekeeper. Yeah. Muhammad Ali was an official. Mr. T obviously was in it. Um, it looks like, I mean, it's one of those things I think that if it, I didn't have the support of other, other entertainers, cause I think they all knew this is going to be huge. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you've got musical performances. I mean, people who have performed at WrestleMania. Ray Charles. What? Yeah. <laughs> Aretha day, Franklin. They still, yeah, they still have a live music performance. Eminem was at this one. You know, but Ray Charles, really? yeah. he, he never really saw what was going on with it anyway. He never got the yeah. appeal. He could never see, you know, the, the yeah. real appeal of wrestling. Okay, so. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm, I'm looking at the people who have played at this thing. It's like, yeah, you could see Ice-T playing. He was there. Drowning Pool, yeah. P.O.D. Kid Rock. Completely see them. Kid Rock did WrestleMania 25 that I was at. Yeah, but John Legend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Boys to Men. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. The Reba McIntyre. <laughs> well, I mean, Betty White hosted an episode of Monday Night Raw once. I mean, I everybody that. does this stuff. I mean, it's, 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 it honestly, it's, it's mainstream pop culture now. It's not even, it's not even ostracized anymore. I mean, it's still Robert. I'm sorry, Robert Goulet. <laughs> what the <Hey>. hell? <laughs> he performed O Canada. <laughs> o Canada. That's so yeah, so, so the, fir- the first WrestleMania happened, and it was such a huge success that they decided, you know, WrestleMania two the next year. They scheduled it right away, and it was the to this day still holds the record for the largest WrestleMania audience ever. It was ninety three thousand people at the Pontiac Silverdome. Hmm. Yeah, wow. And that was the match. Uh, the main event was uh, the first time that Andre the Giant had turned bad guy. He was a heel, and he uh, and he 
he turned against his friend Hulk Hogan just to try to win the championship from him under the influence of Bobby Heenan. And it was in, in his 15-year career, Andre the Giant had never been body slammed, had never been pinned, and both things happened at WrestleMania during that main event, and Hulk Hogan retained his title and beat Andre the Giant. Now, for non-wrestling fans, basically, you've got two basic types back in the day. You had the face, who's the good guy, and the heel, who's the bad guy. Those oh. lines get kind of blurred uh, towards now, where now you have mm. heels who are anti-heroes and faces who are too good to be true, too squeaky clean, and the crowd turns against them. But it, back in the day, faces were good guys and heels were bad guys. Right. And very few yeah. wrestlers have lived their entire career only being one. Even Hulk Hogan was a heel at one point. NWO. I remember that. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, so, I mean, it, 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 it is, a, it's a swinging pendulum, and it, it is funny, I always talk to my friend Chris, who's who's a big wrestling fan, and the reason that I watch wrestling in the first place, I, you know, we always joke about how, you know, uh, they basically, the whole audience is just puppets, and, and the, the writers of the storylines just tell them what they're going to like and what they're not going to like, and Chris is like, oh, they'll never turn so-and-so bad, and then they do it, and everybody hates them, and it's just amazing how they could just, you know, completely, I mean, completely play people like fiddles. The entire audience just, they all just eat it all up. It's so funny. Well, that's one thing about the wrestling, the wrestling fans, is that if you have a fan of wrestling, they are totally into it. Yeah, most of them. I mean, there, there's, there's a, it is a, it is a spectrum of fans, but there are some fans that just are, I mean, the majority of them are crazy into it, especially if you go to the live event. You know, if they're spending the money to go see it in person, they're real fans, obviously. Honey, what's this show about? Is wrestling <laughs> I think to me, though, uh, the, probably the most fascinating thing about wrestling in general, as a, just as an aside, I want to mention this. Probably the most fascinating thing to me is is, is the concept of kayfabe or kayfabe. I don't. Are, are any of you? I, mean, I know. Do you know that term, Josh? I. Uh, you know, if I had to define it, I couldn't. But I've heard it before. K, yeah, kayfabe is basically it's 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 the unwritten rule in all of wrestling. If you're going to be in pro wrestling at all, from from the trenches all the way up to the you know to the top of the line, you know the the, the world champion of the WWE, you never, ever, no matter what the situation, break your character or break the storyline, break the fourth wall, you know, not be your character if the cameras are rolling, if there are people around, if whatever. You, there there have been several different instances about how dedicated some of these wrestlers are. They, they will you know, tear their pectoral muscle, and just because they're not supposed to lose the match for another five minutes, they keep going. Guys have, guys have wrestled with broken bones, got, you know, a, a guy will fall out of the ring, break his leg, and crawl back into the ring just to be pinned because you can't stop the match because he was supposed to lose. Yeah, you know, I mean some of the wow. you know, I mean these guys like will do some just crazy things to each other just in the heat of the moment because they're so into their characters. There's a there's a one match in particular where two guys who are actual real life best friends, Mick Foley and Terry Funk, they'd been traveling the circuit for 50 years by this point together. But at this point in the story, they've been they've been roommates for 30 years on the road, and they're in a they're in a hardcore match, and they bring barbed wire out. And at one point, one point Mick Foley scrapes the barbed wire across Terry Funk's face and almost makes him lose his eye and Terry Funk doesn't even you know doesn't even get mad at him just is like ah and just keeps going in the match and goes in the back and he gets stitches and comes back out and keeps fighting he turns into Keanu Reeves at the end of point break <laughs> but it's just that to me is just the most amazing thing about it is how they there's just such dedication to the storylines and the characters that they just will never ever break character and there's some, I mean and some of the times I mean you try and tell me that you know Russell Crowe is, is going to be able to maintain his character you know being thrown off of a 16 foot ring Russell Crowe I'm just throwing out you know the acting bit is all oh 
These guys are good actors, is my point. Oh, gotcha. Well, one, they're getting paid pretty damn well. Yeah. And two, this... What you said about just yeah, if you're like upper echelon, get, you're getting paid very well. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure even in it's just, it's just, you, it's just like the professional sports, there. you know, it's like you know, 99 percent of the guys aren't making that top tier money, but they're still doing it. That's all I'm saying. So, I'm not, I'm, no, I, there is money to be made, of course. Yeah. But you got to get up to the top. Yeah. So, say, Pat, when did you start watching? Did you start at that first WrestleMania? Uh, yeah, pretty much. That was, I think, that was the first time I I, I really watched was that first WrestleMania, and I stopped okay. when I when I you know I think I stopped watching when I was about 14, and then I didn't watch again at all until I lived with my buddy Chris, the one I was talking about. So I, you know, I, I missed all wrestling in like the, the 90s and the early 2000s and stuff. So it wasn't until about 60 years ago when I moved in with him that I started watching it again. Huh. And like I said, I don't, you know, like I said before, before we started recording, I don't care if I miss, I, I never watch, you know, any of the Raws or the Smackdowns unless I'm hanging out with him. And, you know, he just keeps me up to date on storyline crap and stuff and we'll go see pay-per-views and things like that. I, so I think I, the storyline is what takes it a level beyond. The stories are fairly detailed even if they're not super imaginative. Uh, yeah, and, and they're mostly just really stupid, but yeah. Yeah, but I, I've heard it being compared to, uh, wrestling is compared to soap operas, where instead of having romance as the main subplot, it's basically tales of revenge and punching. Yes, it, it is definitely a soap opera. I mean, I don't care about the storylines, per, you know, per se, because, you know, I just want to watch them wrestle. I don't really care why they're fighting each other, what the stupid reason is, get in the ring and do some cool shit. That's my opinion. But I mean, I, Who's but the storyline is what hooks everybody, you know, 90% of the people, definitely. It's what got me into it for the years that I was a big wrestling fan. Yeah, and they, and they do, I mean, they have an entire writing staff you know, handling all their stories and, and, and they do plan, you know, up to 18, 24 months in advance on some of their storylines. They they start planting seeds for different things that they want to do later on with characters, you know, and, and, and it is, it's up to the writers what happens with your character. You you as a wrestler have very little say in what's going to happen. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I can only think of one time where the writers had intended to go one way and the crowd pretty much demanded it go another. Yeah, uh, and that, stone and that, cold. Yeah, and that just happened again recently. Actually, the, the, the current champion Daniel Bryan. We'll talk about him after the break. I'll, but yeah, it just happened again. All right. So since we're talking about the golden era, which for us is our wheelhouse for the before the break time, which is 1980s and 1990s. Yes, sir. Uh, starting with Joel, let's talk about some favorite wrestlers. See, I don't even remember why I started, but I remember I used to watch it periodically, <laughs> and I will never forget the one match that I sticks out in my brain. Um, I was up at uh, something up at the school and we were in the library and somebody had the TV on and I don't know how it ended up being on but we ended up watching the uh, cage match between the Iron Sheik and Sergeant Slaughter. Nice. And back when I first started rest- you know, watching wrestling on and off, you know, it was fun and interesting and silly. This was all out like there was blood and yeah. it was just violent. I was just about to say that was a pretty bloody match if I remember correctly. Yeah, and I was like, holy crap, this is crazy. And then when I heard Sergeant Slaughter was going to be a G.I. Joe member, I was like, hell yeah. And I had the action <laughs> figure. But I, I very distinctly remember watching that match and thinking that the wrestling that I knew was totally different. You know, that was a, yeah. a completely different thing. Yeah, during the 90s, what what was called extreme wrestling became very popular. You know, I mean, a lot of kids started doing backyard wrestling and stuff, and it was just all about the blood and all about how much pain and how much whatever. And so they started, you know, just ramping up the blood, ramping up everything in the 90s up until, you know, up, up until like the 2000s. It was, it was a very bloody era, and then for a while there, they pretty much banned blood, and now you don't even hardly see anybody bleed. I mean, I think the only other thing I have really experienced with was the cartoon, the rock and wrestling show that was on with Hulk Hogan and uh, Mr. Fuji and uh, Andre the Giant. I probably think Bobby the Brain Heaton was on there. Probably Roddy Piper. Was in 
there. Iron Sheik, yeah. Sergeant Slaughter might have been there too, for all I know. You talking about the rock and wrestling? Yeah, the cartoon. Yeah. They also had uh what was the inbred one with the big hat? Hacksaw Jim Duggan? No, before Hacksaw Jim Duggan even. <laughs> Hillbilly Jim? Hillbilly yeah, Jim. Yeah, that's it, Hillbilly Jim. I had okay. a Hillbilly Jim action. <laughs> okay, two things real quick. I just wrote uh, did you know this, that uh, Hulk, Hogan, Hulk Hogan was voiced by Brad Garrett in you that rock and wrestling cartoon? Everybody loves Raymond? Yes, that Brad Garrett. Yeah. No. I did not. Yep. Um but the second thing since since I'm I'm gonna take a total aside here and tell one of my favorite stories of all time. Um you guys know I spent my freshman year of college in Austin, right? I did not know that. I didn't know who's Austin. <laughs> yeah, I did. I spent my freshman year of college in Austin at Concordia in Austin. Um thought you guys knew that, not important. But um during that year I, I worked at a at a restaurant uh called Big Al Steakhouse and it's now it's now closed down and they served a old seventy seven, which was you know, the seventy seven ounce steak. You can eat the whole thing and the trimmings and the drink and everything and the salad, you get it all for free. Otherwise it was I think fifty nine ninety nine, I think. Well, Hacksaw Jim Duggan had the Hillbilly family in the WWF at that time. And there was all kinds of guys running around in overalls. There was like six of them, I think, all together. But Hillbilly Jim was the most popular. But the biggest one out of the whole group was named Haystacks Calhoun. Does that name ring a bell with anybody? Oh, yeah. yeah. His listed wrestling weight was 601 pounds. Holy crap. He was Holy like, cow. He was like six foot five and just, I mean, just enormous. He was like a beach ball. I mean, he was, well, he came to our restaurant one day and he ordered that. He was so big, we had to let him in through the back door, you know, the, through the freight doors. He couldn't fit through the first, through the, through the front door. We sat him down. He ordered one of those 77-ounce steaks, ate all of it, ordered another one, and ate that, too. What? Oh, my God. He ate two 77-ounce steak platters. <laughs> he must not have shit for a week. The man weighed 600 pounds. Yeah, so? he was I'm, I'm... like 20% steak already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He was a rub Holy God. I just Googled what a 77-ounce steak looks like. Oh, yeah. You don't want to... Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, he ate two of those. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. Sorry. No, had to do with a wrestler. <laughs> it's in. How about you, Mike? Favorite wrestlers? See, here's the thing is I never got into wrestling when I was a kid. <gasps> at all? I, yeah, uh, at all. I never I never got into wrestling. never have wrestling. liked anything popular. That's no, I've never... Right. You were a hipster before it was cool to be a hipster. It was a hip... I was a hipster before I knew what the hell a hipster was. <laughs> No, I never got into the wrestling thing. I never, I mean, I never watched, I have never in my life watched an entire match. And, but to say I've, you know, the, I've played the wrestling video games and now I got all the, let's see, oh. from the, oh, the original, I don't say the original, but like from the eighties, who my favorite character, who my favorite character, who my favorite wrestler probably would be, would be, um, uh, Captain, well, he's, he wasn't a wrestler, was he? Captain America was not a wrestler, no. No, I was going to say Captain Lou Albano. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was involved in wrestling. He was a manager. Yeah, right? he was a manager. See, that's the thing is that this is, this is completely foreign to me. I've watched some of the, uh, WrestleMania videos and stuff that you sent us online and it's, you know, even the ones going back as, you know, as far as ever, I, I'll, I'll, you know, okay, I, I'll give, I'll give you, um, say your favorite wrestler of all time is Brett the Hitman Hart, and then we'll move on because that'll give you some street cred. <laughs> all right. My favorite wrestler is Brett the Hitman Hart. There you go. Rick, go. Rick, I would have said, oh, I love Brett the Hitman Hart. He's like one of the most technically proficient wrestlers of all time. Rick, no, what choice, he, choice, Mike. No, what? Okay. Wait, how, how far back was the guy I was talking about earlier? Lou Albano? Before the, no, um, before the show, before in the pre show, before we started. The, uh, only Luchadore. Oh, yeah. Ray, uh, yeah. Ray, Ray Mysterio. Mysterio? Ray Mysterio. 
Mysterio. There you go. Yeah, he would have been from the 90s, but he started back then, so you're good. What was the game that was on? Uh, it was either Nintendo or Super Nintendo. Big, big wrestling game. Pro Wrestling with the Amazon and Starman. Yes. Yeah. God damn it, that game was fun. <laughs> I used to play the hell out of that game. The Amazon Starman. actually had like a bone that he'd pull out and like yep. use as a foreign object. Yeah, oh, I remember so fun. that. Yeah, and Starman kind of looked like that suits. Well, who's the uh, Starman superhero guy from uh, SpongeBob SquarePants? Patrick. No, Barnacle Man and or, uh, Barnacle no, Man. Barnacle yeah, Boy and um, Starfish Man. No, I don't know. Damn it, what's his name? I don't know. Oh, I always thought that uh, when I first saw Ray Mysterio Jr. that he looked kind of like Starman because Starman in that NES title was kind. Kind of a luchador. Yeah, and it's. I mean, and it's it's still popular now. Like one of my favorite indie games on my uh, on my 360 is a game called Guacamelee. Oh yeah, <laughs> nice. Pat, you would love this game. Side scrolling luchador, a beat 'em up, and it's it's never been a th- just never been a thing for me. So all right, Josh. All right, well, yeah, I always liked Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. Sorry, Mermaid Man <laughs> and Barnacle. Uh, I always liked the more unusual wrestlers that. Have had uh, crazy backgrounds. Like, I loved The Undertaker, but before The Undertaker, one of my favorite heels was actually the great Kabuki. Oh, man, I remember that guy. Yeah, he was one of the early uh, Japanese pro wrestlers to do the Southern Circuit, and he was one of the first to do, like, an Asian mist powder that he'd pull out as a foreign object and then spit it into his opponent's face, and they'd be dazed and he'd take him out. And, and, and one of the first guys before Ricky Steamboat to do, quote-unquote, martial arts in the ring. <laughs> right. I was also a big fan of uh, Kevin Nash and uh, Scott Hall, who at different times were known by their real names or by their alter egos as Diesel and Razor Ramon. With the big sexy. Yeah. Or Oz. <laughs> that was your nickname in, in college, Pat, wasn't it? It's my nickname now. That's what I gave myself. <laughs> How about <laughs> you, Pat? This is... Um, if, if I, okay, like, if I had to pick, like, all-time favorite wrestler, you know, well, back in the day, it was obviously Hulk Hogan. Now, I would have to say The Undertaker is probably my favorite, with, with Hulk Hogan being number two, simply because as much as Hulk Hogan meant to me, and as much as I loved him as a kid and everything, and as much as he means to, like, wrestling in general, he's not a very good wrestler. <laughs> he's just, he only has, like, four moves. I mean, he, you know, he's got, he's nothing but charisma and appeal, crowd appeal. His wrestling moves are not real hot, so I had to well, bump him down. But yeah, Undertaker's number one, and then probably, uh, Ultimate Warrior was probably number three. So not a big fan of the technical proficiency for the big elbow and the leg drop. <laughs> <laughs> and and the, and the cuff your ear and listen to the crowd. Yeah, dude, that's a great move. And the clothesline and the big boot. That was about it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, I always I I've always been a fan of you know a bigger wrestler for some reason, like the giant hulking guys. I I don't know why. It just they you know, and even in like fighting games, I always pick the biggest guy for some reason. The big show. Yeah, I've always liked you know the big show. Um, I used to, you know, Andre the Giant was one of my favorites too. And when he turned, it broke my heart. <laughs> but you know, I mean, it was. I, I, I just, I, you know, I don't know. I, I like Bret the Hitman Hart a lot too when I was a kid. So I had a lot of favorites, I guess. Macho Man. I mean, oh, when Macho Man, Hulk, and everybody else turned heel to go to WCW and started the NWO. Yeah, that was my second love affair with wrestling. <laughs> I wasn't watching it at that point, but I, I remember seeing like pictures or footage of something Hulk Hogan with that, you know, little five o'clock shadow thing going on, and I was like, oh. That looks so dumb. It's black. Yeah. yeah. They're all wearing black with white lettering, and they'd be out in the 
parking lot, like, spray painting people's cars. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was the Attitude Era. Yep. Well, there were, yeah, that was when wrestling really got hugely popular because it was right after, like you said, you know, Vince McMahon started televising everything nationally. And those guys, I mean, those guys started a war with the WCW, you know, and, like, literally at one point, Triple H and um, Shawn Michaels and, you know, the, their whole group drove a tank across the town to the other venue because WCW was in town at the same time. That's a real thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, you know, they ran, they just amped up everything, and it was, it was you know, that was not when I watched it, but, I mean, that they, that was when they grew the most. So when did, when did the uh, name change happen? When did Because it, it originally started off as a WWF. Right. For years, they were, for years, they were in legal disputes with uh, the World Wildlife Fund over the use of WWF. Okay. And basically, because obviously people are going to get those confused. Right? Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and basically, you know, the, what happened was the World Wildlife Fund's lawyers beat the WWF's lawyers. You know? How is that possible? Or did Vince McMahon just say, like, <laughs> screw it? The, ju- the judge basically said, you know, I don't care what all you guys want to do, whatever. You know, they were around first. They have rights to the, the name WWF. Huh. And, um, no, thanks for wrestling. Pandas. Funny right? enough, okay. funny enough, the Ultimate Warrior in his Hall of Fame speech addressed that. He said he said he, he slipped up and said WWF, and he stopped, and he just like bro- completely broke away from his speech. He's like he's like I wish they'd put the F and F back in WWF. <laughs> <laughs> And he, and he mentioned the lawyer by name. I don't know his name. You know, he's, he's, he's like, I can't believe so and so got his ass kicked by those wildlife people. <laughs> <laughs> so that's of uh, okay. Well, that, well, actually, we'll discuss that, and then after the uh, after the break, because I did watch some of the stuff from the the uh, thirty World W uh, WrestleMania, 30. WrestleMania thirty. I watched his I watched his speech, and then everything that's happened after that. I wanted to talk about because I know that there's. You know, there's um, theories going around. Uh, yeah, and just real quick, you know, before we go to the break, just, you know, mention some of the movies that wrestlers appeared in back then. Yeah, we could talk yeah. about pop culture oh, yeah. before we go to the break. Yeah. Yeah. So there was, the, you said there was the cartoon, the Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling, which I do remember watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the rest of you guys watch it? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I yep. thought it up. Okay. And I had the Wrestling Superstars toys that went along with it. Remember all those those um, those other toys, the plastic ones, which just had the arms up and the legs akimbo, and that's all you could do was just like mash them against each other. Oh yeah, well, and some of them had a hole in the back, so they were like thumb wrestling. Yep, yep, I remember those figures. guys. Yeah, I yep. had those too. Wait, the little pink guys? No, you're talking about muscle. Monster. Yeah, muscle. Yeah, muscle. Okay. Yeah, th- there were actually like uh, tag team wrestling superstars for like Hillbilly Jim and uh, Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan that like the figures were hollow, but there was a hole in their back where you. You could put your thumb, and so you could wrestle. Well, that's pretty yeah, cool. I had had, and then they made the one that, like, the, the ropes were made out of rubber bands, and you could launch the guys at each other. And stuff. Yeah. I had a junkyard dog toy. That was another favorite. I forgot about him. Yeah. Junkyard dog. King Kong Bundy. Big John Stud. Oh, yeah. Yep. Nature Boy Ric Flair. I'm sorry. Nature, na- nature Boy! Yeah. Woo! At, at every event I go to, there are still people walking the crowd, wa- walking around in the crowd going, woo! <laughs> sure. Because they're drunk. I don't know if I ever told you guys the story of when I uh, worked catering for a wrestling event. No. No. But uh, two things I, I learned there uh, at working catering. One is that the great Kali is the largest human being I've ever been in presence of. Yeah, Dude, he is just, enormous. Uh, the other thing is, is a, a classic uh, rivalry from back in the day. You had uh, Ric Flair and I'm blanking on his name right now. You did You did tell me this, yeah. Oh. Uh, 
Oh, uh, the son of a plumber. Um, help me out here. That's a son great Justin Arne Anderson. Field song. Art Anderson. Not, not Arn Anderson. No. Uh, no. His son was Gold. Uh, Gold. Oh, Dusty Dust. Rhodes. Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, Dusty Rhodes. Dustin yeah, Rhodes. Yeah, the original oh, Dusty, Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair is one of the big rivalries from like the early '80s and late '70s, and the two of them are just sitting there, all old and out of shape. And of course, Dusty Rhodes was fat back in the day, but he's even fatter and older now. And the two of them spent the entire afternoon not preparing for their opponents, but eating from the commissary and bitching about their cell phone plans. <laughs> Which I thought was really funny, because, like, I'd come out to, like, refill whatever was out on the trays, and they're still talking about how crappy their network is and how many minutes they get. <laughs> well, I, I remember... <laughs> I remember the first just just the first time I ever saw a wrestler like as a human being and not as the character he was was um I was I had to have been like 11 10 years old or whatever and I'm, and it was a Royal Rumble that was in Houston and my dad had gotten us tickets where we were right there at the tunnel where they came in and out as their name was announced you know or as their number came up or whatever and so I you know there was a curtain there and we got to see them as they walk in and out and sometimes the curtain would billow and you'd get a whole view of what was going on backstage you know because it wasn't exactly secure back then they didn't have a whole lot of you know walls up and everything like they do now and I remember two guys fighting each other all the way out of the ring. They're both eliminated. They're punching, exchanging punches as the whole time they're walking back. And the second they hit those curtains, they both just stop fighting and just walk separate ways. <laughs> and I was like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> hey, this is sex. Wait, yeah. For those of you who don't know, a Royal Rumble is a style of match where it's oh, yeah. the last person standing. You start with two, and if you get thrown over the top rope, you're out. But you, there might be 20, there might be 30. Yeah. Every Two minutes, a new person comes, you know, running down the ring until there's been thirty people that go into the ring at once. <laughs> Is it always thirty? Yep. Oh, okay. I have my and and you, See. yeah, you all, you only get eliminated if you're thrown over the top rope and your feet hit the ground. I I knew what that was because I've played it on the video game. Ah, there you go. <laughs> See. All right. So, oh, just any, real quick about the movies, and I guess we'll take a break. Yeah, yeah. movies. So movies, well, you know, I mean, movies are always a great place for wrestlers to go because, I mean, there's always movies that need giant hulking beasts, people, you know, and whether for comedic presence or for just, you know, awesome presence. Like, for instance, you know, nowadays, Kane is the new Michael Myers, you know. So if you need a hulking presence to go to the WWF, it's better than going to the NFL. So yeah. they needed they needed some, they needed a giant for the Princess Bride, so they got Andre the Giant. Anybody want to be that? <laughs> Any of you guys ever seen Mickey and Maud? That was a Dudley Moore comedy. No, but sir. Is that Mickey and Maud? Is that wait? Not is Harold Dudley? and Maud. Uh, yeah, not no. Harold and Maud about the the kid, okay. yeah, the kid and the old lady. No, Mickey and Maud. Dudley. Moore. Are you suggesting that Dudley Moore is a wrestler? No, but Dudley Moore is. Because I would watch that. <laughs> In, in this movie, he's married to two different women, and he tries to keep it hidden from them, and one of them happens to be the daughter of a professional wrestler. So there's several scenes set, like, you know, in the locker room, and there's all these, like, big-name professional wrestlers coming around, and they, they have all kinds of, like, inside jokes as they're walking around and stuff. It's pretty funny. Cool. Uh, Conan the Destroyer, little-known fact. Most people do not know this. Um, remember the final scene when uh, the god is coming to life, Dagoth, and Conan has to fight him, and he rips the horn off and everything? Yeah. The guy in that suit was Andre the Giant. Huh, really? Yep. And that's how... See now all the interviews that I've seen, especially with um, I've watched, I've got the deluxe edition of the Princess Bride, and they had the interviews with that. And it seems like everybody who met that man said he was the nicest guy. Yeah, there they've are ever met. there are millions of stories about just what an amazing guy he was. I mean, he was so giving and so you know and so friendly and so everything. I mean, he was just a, an amazing guy from what everybody says. And the world's biggest drinker, just based on just how big he was, it would he went in for back surgery the very first time he went in for surgery that. 
the anesthesiologist was like, I've never done this with anybody your size. The closest we could do is approximate based on how you drink. Yeah. And Andre's like, okay. Yeah. So they're like, well, how how much does it take to get you drunk? And he's usually, and, and, and he's just like, usually about five bottles of wine. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> See one of the uh, one of the stories that I heard about him was that whenever you they would go out to eat, Andre the Giant would always pay. Yes. And one time Hulk Hogan decided that he was going to pay oh, instead of An- Arnold. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Okay. Because this was this was uh, while they were filming Conan the Destroyer. Arnold, Will oh, okay. and and uh, Andre the Giant went out to eat. Yeah. Yeah, and then apparently Schwarzenegger tried to pay the bill and Ar- and. Um, Andre wasn't having that, so apparently him and uh, Will. Uh, Will Chamberlain picked up uh, picked up Arnold Schwarzenegger and put him on his the, the hood of his car, the top of his car, <laughs> and went back in and paid the bill. <laughs> so, I mean, that also gives you an idea how incredibly huge that guy was. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine being manhandled by Andre the Giant and Will Chamberlain at the same time? That's got to be... Oh, I have. Friday. Oh, <laughs> that's my fetish. <laughs> you know, and of course, of course, you've got Rocky Three. I mean, Hulk Hogan and Mr. T. You know, um, mm-hmm. Predator, Jesse Ventura is in that. I mean, the Running Man, also <laughs> Jesse Ventura, and a couple other guys too. Um, no Holds Barred. You guys remember that movie? That's the uh, arm wrestling one. That is no, no. That's, that's over the top. That's over the no. top. No Holds Barred is one of the one of the just just straight up worst movies I've ever seen. Um, Hulk Hogan playing a guy named. Uh, uh, Rip Tide, who's basically just a thinly disguised Hulk Hogan, and uh, it's the introduction of of um, what was his name, Tim Lister, Tim Tiny Lister, that giant giant black guy with the cross eye. Yeah. Oh, was, yeah. Okay. That was the introduction of him as Zeus in that movie, and somehow Zeus came to life from the movie and started wrestling in the actual WWF and became a uh, heel to Hulk Hogan, and they started a rivalry for a little while. Wasn't he on American Gladiators for a while too? I'm not sure of that. Yeah, I don't I know. Could, I could be wrong on that. The tiny he's, been, he's been in the Friday movies and stuff. He's done a bunch of stuff now. But and then there's the cool. Hell Comes to Frog Town. I didn't put that in, so I can't say anything about it. I've never seen it. It's terrible. It's, it is terrible, but it's it's still worth watching if you. But it has it has Roddy Piper in it. So and they live, of course. Everybody knows about that one. So, yeah. Oh yeah. But wrestlers have been in. You know, they, there's a long-standing tradition of wrestlers in movies. You guys think of any more? Well, there's uh, the Fifth Element had uh, Tiny Lister Jr. for counting him as a wrestler. That's true. Yeah, he was hmm. the president. Yep. Which is which is why I consider Fifth Element a comedy. Wow. Can you believe that Tiny Lister is 55 years old? No. Holy cow. I didn't yeah. Ow. Wow, I didn't realize that. Yep. But yeah, you you earlier talking about the great Kali. He lives like 30 minutes away from where I live right now, and I've ran into him a couple times at some of the bars, and he is enormous. <laughs> Can't miss him in a crowd, huh? Uh, well, I mean, his his belly button is like eye level. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. We'll go to uh, we'll go to a break, and we come back, and we'll talk about uh, wrestling now. I'll take your silence as consent. <laughs> Sweet consent. and watered and back to talk about wrestling now 
Modern Stars, What's Changed, WrestleMania 30, who we sent Pat in undercover. <laughs> to, <laughs> Wait, what? As a, as, yes, as a, as a wrestling fan, just for you. Deep cover. The listeners. I would never have been there if it wasn't for this show. <laughs> yes. We said, hey, Pat, we have a thing for you. You're going to hate it. You go to, go to New Orleans. <laughs> That's when he started to cry. <laughs> That's because he eat knocked some, his ice cream over. Eat some good food, <laughs> get drunk, see some really, really, really oh, weird strippers, <laughs> and watch some wrestling. That was my weekend. It wasn't so bad, to be honest with you. Aww. Yeah. So, talk about wrestling now. Um, modern stars. Um, I'm just going to rattle off some names. You guys say if they even sound familiar to you. Uh, Randy Orton. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah. His, I, he invented the, uh, the microwave popcorn, yeah. didn't he? No, that's Orville Redenbacher. Oh, oh. in that case. Oh. His, okay. uh, his heel turn, uh, I was actually watching on Netflix about it today. That, that whole thing was fascinating to me, how he actually, his motivation was pretty legit, but then he goes all psychopath with it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it develops this whole split personality thing that he pretty much doesn't really do anymore. Yeah, yeah, that was that was, that was neat. But yeah, uh, <clears throat> he also is the son of um, Cowboy Bob Orton, the guy that you mentioned earlier, who was in the ring, uh, who was in the corner of the first main event WrestleMania match. So he's another legacy. Been you know his his father, his grandfather, everything all went throughout down through wrestling. Um, John Cena, you guys know that name? I know yeah. that name. I, I know that name. He has a hand gesture. <laughs> yeah, the you can't see me. Yeah, yeah, that's his whole thing. I there you go. Does yep. he not understand object permanence? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he has. He has what, in my opinion, is like one of the dumbest finishers. As much as I like John Cena, his finisher—well, not his not his actual finisher, but his setup finish—it's like the whole, you know, you can't see me, you know, five knuckle shuffle. It's dumb, you know, but whatever. So so yeah, like I just a shell game kind of thing where he's like, aha, where's my fist? Poof. No, it's, it's just it's just like. Yeah. <laughs> Like, when he first started as a wrestler, he was much more ghetto than he is now. Now you're to me, now you don't. His neck with a lock on it, and he, his, he he rapped his own intro song, which he actually still uses and everything, and he talked a lot more, you know, Ebonic-like than he does now. And, and so so that's that kind of the, the whole ghetto, like, you can't see me, meaning, like, you know, you can't, you can't fade me, you can't beat me, you can't, you know, that kind of thing. So that's his, well, part of his finisher, yeah. Finish him. You can't see me. <laughs> now, I do have to say, you know, as, as much as something John Cena does annoy me as a wrestler, I respect him a lot for what he's done, for how good he's been, and a lot of people don't like him just because he's like the perfect poster boy. He does, you know, he's just the perfect face. He doesn't do anything wrong. He's always the good guy. You know, I mean, he's one of the few people, like I said earlier, who's probably going to do his whole career without ever being a heel. He's always going to be a good guy because he's the guy. He's the face of the WWE in more ways than one because he has done more Make a Wish Foundation, uh, whatever you want to call it, um, wishes, wishes, yeah, than the top nine other people combined he's done he's well over a thousand and the next closest is not even over a hundred so did he cure leukemia <laughs> he would if he could i'm sure because I mean, he he is constantly. I mean, like two or three times a week, going out to hospitals, doing whatever he can, and visiting all these six kids. Um, he, you know, he gives he gives tickets you know, to military personnel to go to all the different. Any military personnel shows up in uniform to a WWE event, they get in for free. That's, That's classy. Cool. Yeah, and you know, I mean, he he's done a ton of of you know overseas appearances with the troops, stuff like that. I mean, he's just a genuinely good person. Um, another uh, who who else is uh, right now? Well, Daniel Bryan. You guys know that name? No, I don't even know that one. 
Didn't, no. didn't we go to college with him? <laughs> Daniel Bryan right now is the current reigning champ. He just won the belt at the WrestleMania I was at. He is almost almost the most popular wrestler of all time at this moment because one of those videos I sent to you guys in our chat is is one of the very first times like that he I mean that that his popularity just came to a head. It was a yeah. steel cage match and he climbs up to the top of the match and he and his his whole thing is you know just he just repeatedly saying yes and put his arms up in the air and it's just it's such a basic chant and the entire crowd gets into it and everybody loves him so much you basically have like 30,000 people it sounds like a Nazi rally almost at the same <laughs> time everybody going yes 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 and their arms all going up at the same time just because they all love this guy I mean it's really kind of crazy when you're in the middle of that because I mean at Wrestlemania when he won the championship I mean they were, the, the entire place was going nuts 75,000 people in that stadium all shouting yes at the same time it was crazy that's Daniel Bryan he and he is super popular he and he looks like a duck dynasty member he's about five foot nine 200 pounds and he flies around the ring like a monkey he's got long hair and a long beard and he looks crazy but he and he's from Canada and he's like all these things about him that just say he shouldn't be this popular but he just is because I mean the fans do love a guy that puts it out there every single night and he doesn't so they call him the yes man that's exactly that, what I was thinking <laughs> it's the yes movement <laughs> but yeah so he's um, he's one of the big names right now Triple H I know him you ever heard of that guy? He he, picked, he towed my car once. <laughs> no, it's Triple A. Oh, it's Triple no, A. Oh, yes. It started he, as the American Blue Blood and eventually dropped that gimmick and real life uh, son-in-law to Vince McMahon. Yes. Yeah, it is actually really married to Vince McMahon's real daughter in real life. And they included that in the storyline, too. Like, yeah. some of the storyline stuff, you know, like Kane and Undertaker being brothers, that's not true in real life. Some of them are. You know, like, like their marriage is actual is actually real. And there's a lot There's a lot of people that are, you know, married to each other within the WWE because, you know, they spend, you know, 90% of their time with each other. You know, the Undertaker's married to one of the divas. She's retired, but Michelle McCool. You know, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of inbreeding going on in there. Was Miss Elizabeth actually married to Randy Savage? No, no, she was not. That makes me sad. I wish I hadn't asked that question. <laughs> take it back. Take it back. Uh, I, she was married. She was married to a couple different wrestlers um, at the same time. I, th- I think she was with him, but they were never. They never got officially married. Gotcha. I would have to look it up to be a hundred percent sure, but I'm almost positive they never got married. Because, mainly because he just didn't want to get married again. All right. All right. Well, if you find out the answer to that question, don't, then don't tell me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, who else? Other stars right now. Um, would uh, who else is pretty huge right now? Well, Brock Lesnar just came back. Um, which actually leads me. Well, you know what? That's enough of the big star. Oh, actually, let's mention, um, I'll talk about CM Punk, because uh, Mike did put him in the show notes as wondering who he is. I, just I saw put him, him the in the show Oh, that was you, Josh? Yeah, even though I knew the answer, uh, it's really relevant because yeah. of WrestleMania 30. And, and, and it's a nice tie-in talking about, you know, modern stars now and get us right into WrestleMania 30, so it's perfect. What were you going to say, Joel? I said I just saw him uh, on Talking Dead a couple weeks ago before the series finale, or series season finale, excuse me. Oh, he made really? like a, like a, what? The, talking, on- the talking Dead is the after show with Chris Hardwick and he has oh, yeah, people talking, on. And they, I, I didn't. I was thinking. Walking yeah, CM Punk, Punk was on there. Oh, he's he very, came up to guest just to commentate and stuff. Yeah, he's a very charismatic guy. Very likable. Yeah, really well spoken. Um, he's I'm, very funny. Yeah, he's a, a very entertaining guy. I, I like yeah, him, I, him a lot. I, th- I mean, I he's a guy that's grown on me. I didn't really care for him much early on in his career, but he 
you know, he's another one of those guys that he's turned me around just because, you know, like I said about Daniel Bryan, he, you know, he's there every night, you know, wrestling his ass off and see that he's, you know, he knows what he's doing and he's entertaining and, you know, and he gets the crowd called stuff. So I kind of where I like him. You were talking about kayfabe. CM Punk's whole thing seems to be blurring the line whether he's breaking kayfabe or not. Right. Exactly. And that was when he, that was when he really shot up in popularity when he his did what pipe bomb speech. Yeah, the pipe bomb speech. Yeah, exactly. Um, so let me talk about CM Punk real quick and that'll lead us into WrestleMania. And I can always mention that pipe bomb thing. So CM Punk was a guy that he came up um, through NXT, which was actually the the um, the reality show um, that that, rest, that the WWE started, just so you could watch up and coming wrestlers. And he came in as part of the group, you know, and they all came in together. They they, they came in kind of like this this big group of villains, and they started you know trying to beat everybody up all at once, you know, all together. Like every now and then, the WWE that's how they introduce new characters. Like a bunch of people come in like a gang and almost try to take over and beat everybody up, and then they eventually they split up and do their own thing. That's how they introduce new people. The guys that don't work out just kind of disappear, and the guys that do work out just keep, you know, rising up or doing whatever. So that's so this is just one of those typical things they do every now and then. And he was kind of the, the breakout star, and he started, you know, and he won um he won this event called the Money in the Bank, which means that if you win that, that event at any time during the next year until the next Money in the Bank, you can cash in that. It's an instant contract to, to uh, fight whoever the current champion is at any given time. And often, you know, they'll wait, you know, someone will wait until, you know, the, there, there's just some horribly grueling match for the title and the champion wins by the string of his teeth you know by the skin of his teeth or whatever and then suddenly you'll hear you know that person's music come on and they'll come in to cash in the money in the bank and they come in and just you know kick the guy's ass for two minutes and then pin him and then take the title away from him just like that so it's kind of an interesting thing and, and CM Punk won one of the first money in the banks they ever did and he came in and won the title in that way and held the title then he was like the third or fourth longest WWE champion of all time he held it for about a year and a half and right before he won the title or, or right after he won the title, I don't remember exactly what it was. It was before he won the he, before he won the championship. He did what's called the, the the pipe bomb speech, which Josh just referenced, where he did a he did a very very good job of blurring the line between breaking the kayfabe, what I was talking about earlier, that fourth wall, and divulging secrets. You know, he sat there on the stage, like almost divulging secrets and calling wrestlers by their actual name, and like just talking about how Vince McMahon is an idiot who's running the corporation under the ground and everything. And every, and I remember I, actually I was living with my buddy Chris at the time, so we were watching that episode and we're both just like like is, is he in character what's going on here we were i mean we were both just like i don't know how to take this you know it was, it was and it was the first thing in a long time that actually really intrigued me that they did and it was an intriguing storyline turned out it was all part part of the plan and everything and cm punk that kind of you know is kind of a little bit of a wild card and so he's interesting to watch because you never know what he's going to say some of it is is sanctioned by the wwe and some of it isn't and he just doesn't care yeah when he called the rock by his real name I, yeah i was like oh and then he looks at the camera he's like just broke the fourth wall there didn't i <laughs> so it, i mean it was it was interesting because you know and they managed to fold it all into the storyline and nobody to this day other than the people involved at all of it really know if he was just really going off script or they just kind of reined him back in or if that was all planned you know and it's still you know a lot of people debate about that but anyway so cm punk was the championship was a champion for a long time the face of the wwe and a lot, and he became a, a big fan favorite and then he lost his championship and kind of fell a little bit to the background and he wrestled uh, the Undertaker last year in, in WrestleMania and lost to him. And from that from that point on, he just kind of started fading away a little bit, and he wasn't real happy about it. And then um, they had the, the Royal Rumble event, which we talked about earlier. And the winner of the Royal Rumble gets an automatic bid into the championship match at WrestleMania. And Dave Batista, who was a former wrestler, and he was coming back, and he was and they scripted him to win the Royal Rumble. So he comes back after not being around for years and gets an automatic. 
automatic seat into the championship event, and that pissed off CM Punk, and he pretty much just walked away from the WWE altogether and hasn't been seen since, And other, other than just to d- register his dis- his disgust online. Yeah, cause, and there were a lot of people that were speculating that even that was part of the plan and that right. he'd be coming back for WrestleMania 30 to actually break Undertaker's streak. Right. And, and it there, didn't I, happen. And, and there, you know, there were people thinking he was going to come out and mess with the main event, too. You know, there they, was all kinds of speculation, and there were several times when people were chanting his name during WrestleMania, but he was never once met, mentioned, nothing was even done about it, so he's really gone for right now. So is that one of the things with res- with pro wrestling, is that you have this plot line going on, but it's it's almost like, I mean, it's like a, it's like a soap opera. Yeah, exactly. But here's the thing, it's like, you've got these guys who are in the ring, and chances are, if you're the type of person that's going to take steroids, buff yourself up, jump in a ring, and beat the crap out of another person for a living, there's some mental issues there. Oh, yeah. So is this, do you think the some of the plot lines, like these twists and turns in this, is just where somebody, like, in the ring had a breakdown, so they had to write it in? No, because, I mean, as as, as mental as they can be in, in what they do, they, they it, it's like, like I said, it's an unwritten rule that you take your, the craft so seriously that you never break the storyline, no matter what. So whatever, whatever they're supposed to do, no matter how mad they are, they do it. Like, CM Punk didn't want to lose at the Royal Rumble with Batista in there, but he did. And then afterwards, he says, well, you know what, I didn't like that storyline, so I'm done. <laughs> so, I mean, he's not going to break the storyline because that's just you just don't do that. Because yeah, right. if you do that, you're just not going to get employed. Unless yeah. it's done to you, like the Montreal screw job. Exactly. Or... You know, I mean, that's something. Yeah, we should have talked about in the first half. I forgot about that. Okay, well, explain that then, because that's you can't just. The Montreal screw job was wait. basically. Oh, wait, 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 Joe, wait, Joe, 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 Every now and then he he'll he'll wrestle, but he's not doing it night in night out. Okay, so the screw job. This is something. The Montreal okay. screw job happened uh, in the, the late '80s, early '90s. I can't remember what what time it was, but at the time Bret Hart was the champion, and he was due his contract was due to come up, and he was threatening that he was going to go to another company if they didn't give him more money. And Vince McMahon didn't want to give him that much money; he wasn't sure he was worth it, whatever. And, but he hadn't told Bret Hart yet that he wasn't wasn't sure he was going to sign him again. And 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 but he just burbled. Before the match starts, Vince just tells him, "All right, fine. You know what? We'll we'll take care of it after the match. You're in. We'll you know we'll we'll do whatever. You know we'll, we'll get you in." So he's like, "All right." So he's he's like, "Just go in there. We'll you know, you'll retain your title. We'll, we'll resign you." So this is one of the few instances in in all of WWF, WWE, whatever you want to call it, their history, where one of the players in the in the match was not in on the storyline because basically at one point Bret Hart is um is in the middle of a submission hold. You know he's being submitted. You know and and it, as far as he knows. You know the match is going to keep continuing. He's going to get out of this, whatever, and it's going to continue. And then he's going to go pin the guy, right? And a little bit later. Well, Vince McMahon comes out of nowhere, um, comes running out from backstage, and goes up to the bell ringer. You know, he steps up to the stage and says something to the ref, and then he looks at the bell ringer. He's like, "Ring the bell!" And, and so, so basically, Vince McMahon says, "I heard him submit. Ring the bell. It's over." Yeah, and this was in his own hometown. Yeah. So he he had to lose his title. Uh, he didn't know he was going to lose the match. He didn't tap out. You can see clearly in the match. Match that he didn't tap out, but the ref said he did, and that was the end of his career there. Yeah, wow. Like he's he, he stood up and he's all like you know standing you know, on the and he's here and they announce the winner of this match and he's like looking at Vince like what you know what the fuck you know and you could actually see you know that he as, as Vince goes to leave uh, Brett spits at him. So did they ever explain what the hell happened? I mean why 
he just decided to jump out there and do that? Uh, but it, it was discovered, you know, over the course of time, what exactly had happened. And they kind of, you know, you know, about ten years ago or so, they mended fences, and Brett's now back in the fold and everything. And but it was never really addressed on like the on, on television or anything because it was just part of you know, it, it, it was basically they they kind of tried to fold it into the storyline, but they never really addressed the fact that Bret Hart was never seen again for about twelve years. Well, on the uh, documentary I watched on Netflix, it was addressed because apparently he has uh, directly amended fences both publicly in kayfabe and behind the scenes with Shawn Michaels. Right, but so, at, at the time, at the time, they pretty much just kind of like, yeah, well, he's gone. Okay, bye. He right. lost. He's gone. But since they have uh, made a big deal of. Uh, everybody's friends again. Uh, the company has admitted that what happened to him wasn't right, and right, everybody's yeah. good again. Yeah, because so they even they 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 will even you know in their own DVDs talk talk about it as the Montreal Screwjob and everything. So they don't cover it up anymore. Ooh. Yeah. All right, so I went to WrestleMania 30. Um, it was my, my first my my first impression is to say you know I mean a lot of people are talking online about how oh this was one of the best WrestleManias ever and everything. I disagree with that. It was good. I think it was really good. But it, I I mean the the when I went to the one five years ago here in Houston, I thought that one was a lot better personally. Even though the main event of that WrestleMania was not very good, the Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels match in WrestleMania 25 was probably the best match I've ever seen in person. It was it was one of the best matches of all time. You know you. You, you find it in a whole bunch of lists, and I was there to see it live, so pretty cool. But this one was this one was good. But I mean, I think a big big part of it is is it's the whole thing for me is sullied because my favorite wrestler, The Undertaker, got his winning streak broken at WrestleMania. Up until this WrestleMania, he was twenty one and zero. That was one of his big sticks in his entire career. Was he was basically just unbeatable at WrestleMania. They'd thrown everybody they could at him. They'd thrown everything they everything they could at him. They'd done everything they could to him, and just nobody could beat him in WrestleMania, and then this year they just let him get beat, and it just really, really pisses me off. Yeah, a lot of people have been frustrated, especially because the guy who beat him isn't even a full-time wrestler. Exactly. Brock like if, they're, if they're going to let, you know, I mean, the way, the, way I, 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 the way I think about it, like, this is the guy's legacy, and if you're going to break that legacy, then it needs to be more significant than just being done to a guy who only shows up for pay-per-views, who isn't the future of the, of the WWE, who, who, who's just, I mean, Yes, he's Brock Lesnar, and he's a he's a beast and all that kind of stuff, and you know he's you know, but it just, it would have made a whole lot more sense to me if they'd have let CM Punk beat the Undertaker last year. Because if you're going to try and launch somebody into you know superstardom, that's the way to do it. Is you know they're the person that broke the Undertaker streak, and I just think time's going to show that you know doing that doing that with Brock Lesnar was was a waste of Undertaker's streak. That was a that was a a key moment in the history of the WWE, and I think they threw it away on Brock Lesnar. Just my opinion. So okay, so you said Brock Lesnar is not a top tier. Well, the thing is, Brock, Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar is is a beast of a man. He is an amazing wrestler, and he. I mean, he's he is championship quality, but he's not one of those guys that's dedicated to the WWE like all these other guys that you know. Because he's he's like the Rock now is a part time superstar. Okay, and and it means a lot in the wrestling community if you're one of those guys that's in there night in and night out because you know it, it's there's a lot of respect for the guys that do that. Wait, did you say Barack Obama's wrestling? <laughs> Brock Lesnar. If oh, you don't, you not, do you guys know who Brock Lesnar? Is. I know the name. I've heard the name. Yeah, he might. He, I was gonna say he might be physically the most intimidating man out there. Yeah, if you've played Borderlands, he basically looks like Brick. Okay. Oh, look at there. He pops right up on the search. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> the guy's got a neck like a coffee can. Yeah. <laughs> it's ground up. No, it's brown. Oh. The guy's huge. Yeah. He's he's six foot five, two hundred and ninety five pounds. 
and apparently made of steak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, I mean, the the man, uh, the man, literally, uh, like, like he 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 works out with kegs. He he, he bench presses kegs <laughs> as part of his workout. Full kegs, by the way. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that some people are talking about the upside is to having Brock Lesnar beat the Undertaker is that whoever beat the Undertaker, and it pretty much had to happen because he was going to retire and a broken streak is bigger news than being undefeated. Right. Whoever was going to do it was going to be hated anyway, so why not let it be Brock? Yeah. Mm. I mean, I, 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 yeah, okay, I could kind of get behind that, but I would say that like they're trying to promote somebody... I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. It's whether it's a feel-good story or a, we're yeah. launching this guy to be the next big villain because you hate him because of how he came back into prominence. Yeah. And it, 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 and when it happened, I mean, it was crazy how 75,000 people got so quiet so fast. <laughs> because, because I mean, when when you you could tell how much everybody was just expecting Undertaker was going to win by the fact that he didn't. By the, the reaction was so, everybody was just so shocked. You know, and, and 75,000 thousand people got so quiet so fast and we're all just kind of looking around like what what just happened what <laughs> what <laughs> and then under you know undertaker stands out you know and, and brock lesnar leaves and undertaker stands out there and he was like you know laying out unconscious quote unquote you know for a good five minutes by the time brock lesnar left it took him another 10 minutes to leave and he was just like kind of waiting for a huge standing ovation that he never really got because everybody was just kind of so much in shock <laughs> i mean every now and then people were like yeah he would get a little a little bit of a standing ovation going but he never got a huge one because everybody was just like did that really happen so what's the deal with the name Brock anyway? It seems like a real popular name in the past decade, and it's really—I don't get it. I'm not a fan of the name. Just saying, like <laughs> past twenty years, uh, Brock. It's a very a yuppie Brock. name. Yeah, I don't got it. I don't get it. I had, I had a vet named Brock. He was a nice well, you know, guy to work. Crocs. You know, you know what Brock Lesnar's middle name is? Mark Lee Brock Lee Brock Lee. <laughs> That's awful. He's a redneck. <laughs> Um, so yeah, Daniel Bryan won the championship, and that and that ended the night on a on a good note because um, my buddy Chris said, you know, after after Undertaker after Undertaker lost, he's like, well, now I know Daniel Bryan's going to win the championship because if he doesn't, this place will riot. <laughs> now, wasn't the Undertaker a villain before? He's been all over the board. Yeah, he's he's done. I mean, he's been doing this for thirty years. So yeah, he's been he's been good guy, bad guy. He's been the American uh, the oh uh, uh, what was he called in the nineties, Josh, when he rode the motorcycle, the American outlaw. Oh yeah, um, I mean. Cherokee and Choctaw. <laughs> he's oh. been, he's been, you know, the the dead man. He's, I mean, he's done everything. So he was originally when he took the dead man character, he was Kane the Undertaker, and they dropped the uh, Kane name and made Kane into a separate character who was supposed to be his little brother who uh, had supposedly died in a house fire that the Undertaker himself had set, killing his own family. Wow, which, yeah. is why, which is why they all had the the fire theme, especially Kane. Yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of his supernatural. It's kind of like uh, how I liked Ghost Rider and all these dark supernatural stuff in the '90s. It's the reason why the Undertaker is one of my favorite wrestlers, and he's just a badass wrestler. Yeah, I mean, the dude is almost seven foot tall, over 300 pounds, just uh, another monster of a man, and just very, very agile for his size. I mean, he has one move that where he grabs he, he grabs his opponent's hand and, and and locks you know locks fingers with him, and then he climbs up the turnbuckle and walks out to the middle of the rope and then jumps down on their arm. For a man that size to be able to tightrope walk out there like that is pretty impressive. Wait, he walks on the rope? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys watched the video of Hell in the Cell with him and Mankind, but uh, that uh, match was crazy. Yeah. Uh, just a testament to how insane Mick Foley was as a guy when he talked The Undertaker into throwing him off of the 16-foot-tall steel cage onto a table <laughs> and was dragged out 
on a stretcher and then despite having dislocated his shoulder got out of the stre- got up off the stretcher and climbed the cage again and let the undertaker slam him into the roof of the cage which gave way so he dropped again not quite 16 feet onto the ring Ugh. yeah uh, he i mean uh, it all, it all started because, i mean you're not supposed to be on top of this thing you're supposed to be inside of it you know it's like right. a steel cage you know <laughs> <laughs> and, and it all started because uh, mankind came out and just he just decided hell i'm just going to climb this thing instead of going inside you know and then the undertaker comes out and he sees him on top he's like all right i guess we're doing this so he, so he climbs up there and the reason mick foley went up there in the first place is because he had somebody hide a chair up there and he grabs the chair but undertaker takes it away from him and just beats the hell out of him with it and then throws him <laughs> off the thing onto the table <laughs> yeah and when he goes through the roof of the cage and onto the uh oh. top he uh, punctures a hole through the bottom of his lip like where you'd have elaborate piercing he loses Ugh. a tooth which is sticking to his face is yeah, through his nostril the, the yeah. rest of the match he has a tooth sticking out through his lip and his nostril for the rest of the match. And he keeps going. Yep. He gets cho- he gets choke slammed into a bed of thumbtacks and then he gets pile drived and then he gets pinned finally. <laughs> I've got no real good words for that. Yeah. It sounds like broken- a Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Several broken bones, dislocated shoulder, dislocated jaw, and so many puncture wounds from thumbtacks. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. And s- several times the announcers who are not in on it declared him dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jim Jim Ross when he gets thrown off of the when he gets thrown off of the, the top of the thing and lands at the table, he just he just screams, "Oh my god, he's broken him in half." <laughs> And apparently the Undertaker himself, when uh, Mankind went through the roof of that cage, believed he had killed his opponent. Because yeah, yeah, neither he, one of them was expecting the roof to give. And the, right. way that he, the way that he landed on that, I mean, when they watch it in slow motion, I mean, he hits the, the canvas like a sack of potatoes, literally. He, I mean, because it just happens in like, in, in, in like different sections, his ass, and then his side, and then his shoulder, and then his back. And boom, boom. I mean, he, he hit so hard, it was ugly. <laughs> <laughs> and because he was uh, unconscious, but with his eyes open for probably a good 30 seconds, people who looked at him, including The Undertaker, believed he was dead until he got back up. Wow. So, that dude's crazy, man. His wife made him retire because she was afraid he was going to die. A pretty reasonable fear, like, given the way he yeah, wrestled. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we get to wrestling and pop culture nowadays, you know, um, just just TV in general. I mean, the, the, the numbers, I tried to find them because sometimes when... When you're watching one of these things, they'll, they'll flash a thing when they come back from commercials saying, you know, this is the 1300th episode in a row of Raw beating, you know, and it'll list like seven shows in a row. All their, all their runs combined didn't add up to our run or whatever. It's like, Jesus. I mean, the, the, they've been running every Monday and Thursday night now for three years straight, I think, and every Monday night for like seven years straight. I mean, every Monday night. And, and they just expanded. Two years ago, they expanded to three hours, and they just expanded to four hours now on Mondays. Four hours of wrestling every single Monday night, and they've got millions of people. The, the last Monday Night Raw after the WrestleMania drew five million people watching it. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm in the wrong. But it's one. Of, you know, it's like, it, but it's like the best kept secret, and everybody knows about. It. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't. I mean, if there's five million, there's all these people watching it. All these fans. I see all these people at these events when, we were, when I was looking at the the videos you sent. But you don't really see people walking around wearing the t-shirts anymore. Right. Yeah. So. So where are these people coming from? There's a lot of closet fans. Wow. It's like the Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> yeah. With number number one TV show for how long, but nobody ever admitted to watching yeah, it. Jag. Same thing. Yeah. 
So the, the, uh, they just launched their own WWE network, just like, you know, the E! Network or Style Network or Comedy Central or whatever. They have their own network now where they just wow. constantly run their own events. That you, you, could, you could go in through their programming and look up any pay-per-view event that they've ever done in the past and just watch it. It's $9.99 a month. You get all their current pay-per-views for free. I mean, and, and it's, it's like an interactive page where you can, you can look up all their archives of stuff. And, they're, and they're, they got new, mater- new stuff going. They got a reality show with all the old. There's a, there's a, they've got a house now full of Mean Gene Okerlund, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Jake <laughs> Roberts, and they're all living together doing this reality show. Like like twelve retired superstars are all together, and it's just you know it looks like it's going to be goofy, stupid fun. They just launched that last month. They already have seven hundred thousand subscribers, and it's growing every day. And they've already turned a profit. Huh? That's nuts. Yeah, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the uh, tragedy that happened after we'd already decided we were doing this show, but just this week. Uh, I'm referring, of course, to the death of the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. Which is very, very sad if it's true, and there's a lot of speculation going on that it's not, because a lot of people are saying that it's, it's a gimmick, that they're doing something with the storyline, because, you know, a lot of people are just suspicious because they're saying, oh, it's it's too neat and convenient because, you know, the storyline, he was, you know, he was ostracized for so long, and now he comes back and he gets a job where he's going to be working with them, and suddenly, you know, the feel-good story, and then he dies, you know, so some people are saying they're doing something with it. I hope not, because I think that would be just really crass. To make him come back? No, no, no. Just, just. I mean, to play with, you know, like, oh, this guy's dead. I, that's just one of those things you just don't really fool around with too much. You know, faking people's death. I don't know. I'm just not into that. My yeah, person. I mean, at this point, I don't know. Anyone saying that his death was faked, that, that's requiring a massive media conspiracy beyond just, like, WWE's... Exactly. Problem. Well, I mean, people are like, oh, you, you notice all the news reports say, according to WWE. Is it? Well, yeah, because that's their source. <laughs> you know, but yeah, I think I mean I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a fake. You know, I think he really did pass away, which is very sad. But How do they say he died? They didn't. Yeah, at least, at least they didn't when I from what I saw. What I saw is that he was on his way to his car with his wife. He collapsed. They took him to the hospital, and he was declared dead basically on arrival. Right. Wow. And uh, he uh, had been making a uh, fairly public set of amends because he knew that uh, he was being welcomed back to, back into the company. And a lot of times he was a pariah because he was a very, very outspoken uh, right-wing blogger who had some very contentious political opinions and made people kind of just awkwardly back away from him even further. Hmm. So you don't think it's one of those, uh, like suddenly he's going to show back up? I mean, I hope not. Yeah, they, yeah, they hope not. At this point, uh, so many news outlets would end up with egg on their face because it's not just like websites. We're, we're talking like CNN, uh, USA Today. Oh wow! They're, they're yeah. all, they've all reported his his death. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, that's you figure if they let it get that far versus just and it's not it's not like that's part of his storyline. Like you know, if if you said oh the Undertaker died and then suddenly later you're like oh no he wasn't you know he's unkillable you know whatever. I mean, it's not like that would yeah, fit with the storyline. You know. Yeah, because I watched I watched his speech, which was it was really good. Yeah. But man, that guy is like worn out. Yeah. I'm when well, you when I found out that like he that. died, that's, I was that's what I was saying earlier. It's like very few of them live past fifty because the toll they put on their bodies is just insane. What they do to each other. And it was creepy watching that speech when he was talking about how every man's heart beats its last at one point, but the warrior spirit never dies. 
Yeah, that was kind of creepy. I did I did see that too. And that's why a lot of people are just playing the, you know, it's too perfect card. Right. Okay. All right. So now they're making movies though. Yeah, they have their own studio. Yeah, it's they're, 2002. They're, yeah, they're, I mean they're putting well, out movies that, you know, not don't even necessarily have anything to do with wrestling, like, you know, The Marine, John Cena's set of movies where he plays, you know, a Marine. Hey, huh. now don't the remake the of movies, the remake though. of Walking Tall with the Rock. They did that. But, they did. I know you guys that. don't you can't diss these movies though. I'm not. Okay. Cuz I, I have to I have to defend them to some extent because although Cena Evil was terrible uh, atmospherically it was fine but the movie itself was god awful the Scorpion King was a piece of crap I never even watched because I'm not going to because that wasn't a WWE movie the Scorpion King it's listed here as a WWE movie well they, they helped with distribution they didn't help with producing so was the rundown that was listed which that was a great movie anyway whatever that was a fantastic movie but I have to comment specifically on The Day which came out in 2012 have you seen it anybody The Day? Mm-hmm. yeah no. it's a post-apocalyptic Day. movie with Sean Ash Moore and uh, Dominic Monaghue and um, Brianna Barnes. It's so good. It's about it's basically it's a post-apocalyptic world where this group of survivors like six of them are traveling and they're trying to stay um, you know the world basically has gone to shit everybody's dead and uh, the only people left really are people that are trying to survive in cannibals hmm. and they're trying to get away you know find a find their way through the world and yet they're suddenly are attacked by cannibals and it's just it's really really good it's a it's a nice take on a apocalyptic scenario and surprisingly for you know what you think WWE it's going to be silly and whatever See, this um, like, looks awesome but I, I can't find the wrestling connection I own it on Blu-ray and it is phenomenal it's a very good movie and um, Dead Man Down wasn't too bad either it's another good one so was that made by the WWE yeah it's it's a it's one of their films but it's not about wrestling just like a lot of yeah, their movies it doesn't seem to feature any wrestlers it nope. doesn't yeah the, the movie The Call with Hall- Halle Berry that was also a WWE movie didn't have exactly huh. that, that just proves it again it's smart marketing because they know that you know they can make movies and put the bucks behind it and probably make a profit and don't necessarily have to have it be about or with wrestlers in it that's crazy if, to me and if, if 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 their writers have proven one thing is that they know how to get people to watch what they're exactly. writing exactly and that's that's kind of oh, the yeah. point i'm making is that no matter how much i'm like i don't care about wrestling and i don't want to watch it i am i'm firmly a believer that the studio itself is found a market and is and is totally taking taking advantage of it and I I commend them I go good for them I'm a fan. These guys, th- this is a multi-billion-dollar corporation now. Hmm. Yeah, it looks like they're doing Leprechaun Origins. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> that sounds yeah potential. Looks like they're doing the Fall Guy into a movie too, and Jingle All the Way too, because that's what we need. But sounds like we, uh, they are responsible for a bunch of our future episodes. <laughs> that's right. You're right. There you go. Nice. All right. So what else? So merchandising. Yeah, they're not about merchandising. I, <laughs> I know. I know. There's a wrestling section in the toy section. I, I, See, this is the part of the toy store that we never go to because I have girls. Yes. I have a boy and we still don't go in that section. Well, that's because you don't watch wrestling. If you nope. did, you would be. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, you can get a Rey Mysterio mask. I'm down with that. Who is wearing that it. right now? That's pretty cool, man. Get send the girls over to my mom's house be like, hey, want to jump on the turnbuckle? <laughs> <laughs> Who are you talking to? What? <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I went away. I'm, I'm back now. I thought okay. you said you were going to send the girls over to their grandmothers both wearing Rey Mysterio masks. That's what I thought. I thought that's what you were awesome. Yeah, I thought that's what well, you were that's playing, that. too. Well, then let's go with that. <laughs> She's going to throw a turkey carcass at him. Put this in the backyard. <laughs> they become wrestlers. That's their finishing move. They somehow pull a turkey carcass out of nowhere and beat him down with it. Turkey carcass from nowhere. <laughs> you can't see me. <laughs> 
So yeah, I think we all know just exactly how much merchandising the WWE does. Oh, know, yeah, that's a juggernaut. It's everywhere. You know, I mean, they, they have they have trucks full of merchandise around every entrance at every event you go to. I just bought a stupid little rally towel uh, for my buddy Chris for five dollars for a stupid little tiny towel, hand towel. Five dollars, thirty dollars for a T-shirt. Yeah, I was wondering because I was given a Raw Is War T-shirt when I worked catering for them, and I was wondering how much it would have cost if I'd gotten it from a booth. Yeah, $30 I just paid for a t-shirt. Huh. Just because it had Hulk Hogan's name on it, I paid for that. Did that come with a neck hole, or was that extra? And arm holes. Mm, wow. Not the, not the bottom hole, though. I had to do that one myself. Oh, see? I knew there was a catch. There's $35 for the bottom hole. Exactly. <laughs> you, you always got to pay more for the bottom hole. Yep. <laughs> I heard that from you just now. So, okay, then then bottom dollar, how much does WWE make? Because I see there's a thing for it here, and I didn't open well, that, it. So. That prospectus I put up there um, is a link to, that, that link, link links to their 2012, uh, basically it's, a, it's like a 12-page breakdown. It's a 12-page breakdown for all their stockholders as to what each section made. And pretty much, they're, they're, they're like, uh, this made 70 million, that made 80 million, this thing made 30 million, this made 12.4 million. This was, it's like, okay, wow. <laughs> so how did, did they, so are they like about to they, go bankrupt or something? Yeah, they they average. I think the last time I saw any numbers on them, they they average about one point four, one point five billion dollars a year. I thought you were going to say gigawatts, but and, and okay. that's not. I mean, that's not that's not gross profit. That's just you know what what their general revenue is about one point five billion a year between all their events, all their merchandise, all their pay per views, between everything. Gentlemen, we're wow. in the wrong business. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Somebody get over here. I'm going to hit you with the chair. Like <laughs> podcast. I think there is one. There's probably six or seventeen. Why are you whispering again? I don't know. I don't. <laughs> don't know. I think they can hear us. Yeah. <laughs> So, so any, yeah, any there's wrestling. On wrestling from anyone? Anything? Uh, no. Nope. No. Nah. I'm good. I know more than I did when we started. I know more than I wanted to know. Uh, and I'm <laughs> back in dangerous territory where I may be getting back into it now after having watched right a bunch now, of it today. I'm, right now, they are they are get, they're they're working very hard and they're very close to it uh, at starting another Attitude Era type of thing, and they are about as popular as they've ever been again. Wow. I mean, this, this was one of the biggest WrestleManias they ever had. One of the biggest Raws they've ever had. One of the most popular wrestlers they've ever had is their champion, so they're definitely on the rise right now. Hmm. Again. Awesome. Yeah. So, what are we going to be talking about next week, gentlemen? Wrestling. No, that was this week. <laughs> oh. That's this week. You're getting confused again. Damn it. I was all ready for next week now. No, you are ready for next week. This is the one you've been begging for, remember? Yeah, right. What are we talking about? What have you been begging for? Holy shit. Begging strips. No, Sigourney <laughs> Weaver. We're doing Sigourney Weaver next week. Not literally, yeah. but the show. No, we're going to talk about Sigourney we're Weaver. We're doing Sigourney Weaver next week. Yeah. Yeah, the, second, yeah. the second show in our series of shows uh, focusing on the work of one particular performer, uh, we are going to do the Sigourney Weaver show. Yes, because Sigourney Weaver is the sci-fi heroine that we all know and love. I mean, everything from Alien to Ghostbusters to... Uh, a cabin in the woods. She's kind New of the Avatar. original, like badass chick. Like she, yeah. she made Linda Hamilton's segue into being, you know, the Terminator killer much easier. Yeah. So if you want to hear more about that, check out the show from next week. I'm glad you guys are listening. If you want to check out any of our episodes, you can find us on Blueberry, TalkShoe, Stitcher, iTunes, or at our own website at 40go14.com. That is true. <laughs>
<laughs> hey, can I leave a voicemail somewhere like Charlie did? Yeah, just like Charlie's voicemail, you can call 708-NOW-RAP, W-R-A-P, or you can call 708-669-9727. In fact, they're the same number. Shh. What? <laughs> what, if, what if I've got the internet and I want to send a mail? Well, then you can get us at 40go14 at gmail.com, or you can go on Facebook and leave us a message on our Facebook feed. What if I don't have phone or internet access and I want to reach us? What do I do then? Then you're probably not listening to this podcast. <laughs> probably not. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, her boobs were the best part about her, because they were only like five years old. Ew. That's creepy. <laughs> oh my god, I have to record it. Of course. I guess, yes, I got that. I guess the post credit stinger is taken care of.